Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the second pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Saquon Barkley. Running back, Penn State. Don't take a running back with the first pick. Don't take a running back with the second pick. Don't take a running back ever. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number five, but the first Giants episode of Bleeding Blue. And if you've ever seen our logo, there are three names on it. Jimmy, Justin, and Boker. And guess what? We have all three people on the logo today. So first, we'll check in with our friend Boker. Boker, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Justin. I'm doing really good. Boker's doing great. He picked up the microphone to say that he was doing really good, and then he put it down right by me again. I'm glad you're doing well. And introducing our great friend who's on the logo, Jimmy. How are you doing today, Jimmy? I'm doing good. How about you, Justin? I'm I'm doing great. I'm glad that we're talking Giants. I'm going to get angry. I'm just warning everybody right now. I'm going to get angry during this episode and we're not and we're still about 2 months away from football. Really in my mind we're about a month away from football because football starts when I can when I have the ability to go to the the training camp practices which I always get so pumped for. The past couple of years I go to school in Philly and I'm going to be in DC this fall so I haven't been able to go to a ton of Giants games so I get I always get pumped up when I can go see them for training camp almost every day that it's available to the public. But anyway, all three official members of Bleeding Blue. I guess we have four members with with our great friend Renato, but we have to get him in on the logo too. But first episode of Talking New York Football Giants. Highly requested, highly requested. Not a lot of people care about baseball, which is totally fine. Football's fun. Football's always exciting. You can always talk about football. So we're going to do it. So just in case you're a Giants fan, you're a football fan, or you're not a fan of football at all, but you want to get into it and you want to get into the New York football Giants. Last year, Giants went 3-13. and This year, there's a new coach. There's a new GM. Eh, maybe not really new GM. There's newness. There's a new energy in the building. But despite the newness, kind of like Jesse said, there's a similar, there's a few similar faces 
similar approaches could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. We'll see what happens once the season gets started. As always before this season, there's a ton of optimism for the team. Some are feeling it more than others. I would say the majority of fans, I mean, really, you should be feeling optimistic. Some are feeling it more than others. Jimmy's feeling it. I'm not feeling it myself. Reminder, Boker is a Cowboy fan. His fandom and his opinions, not out of his opinions, his fandom is irrelevant, but his opinions are very, very valued. So there's optimism for everybody. We, we are here to talk all about it. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is the intro, what you heard. I thought that was hilarious. That's frankly why I put it in the beginning. The Giants drafted a running back with the second pick in the draft, a pick that they have rarely, like it, for an organization and for a franchise like the New York Football Giants to have that pick and to be in an opportunity where you can have the second pick in the draft, it really is a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-decade, once-every-two-decade opportunity and I feel they squandered it. Some other feel di- some others feel very differently. So, Jimmy, tell us, do you like the Saquon Barkley pick? Tell us why, and then we'll just see see where the conversation goes from there. I like the pick. Uh, Saquon Barkley has been generational talent all the way up until the draft. Everyone said he's going to be such superstars. We got the best player in the draft, the second pick. He, I, in my opinion, you can't ask for too much more. Michael Boker. Your your uh, your beloved Dallas uh, Dallas Cowboys did a very similar thing a few years ago, and I mean I guess I, I guess you can argue that it's kind of worked out. So what do you think of the Giants taking Saquon with the second pick and maybe comparing it, contrasting to what the Cowboys have done a few years ago with Ezekiel Elliott with the fourth pick? So do I like the Giants pick? Eh. Do. When when the Gi- when the Cowboys drafted Ezekiel Elliott, mind you, I did not want Ezekiel Elliott. I wanted Jalen Ramsey. And now we know that those picks, either one could have gone either way, and both picks would have been good. But for the Giants picking Saquon at the number two pick, I particularly thought they were going to take a quarterback just because Eli only has, you know, two to three years left probably. But – they went running back, and now I just can't wait to see Saquon get stuffed every year when they play Dallas twice a year. You know, can't wait for that. Very similar to what Boker said. I I was in a boat where I thought the Giants were definitely going to take a quarterback. Eli Manning, he's thirty seven years old now, and despite you know how much he how many times he says that he looks good or he feels good, I am the biggest Eli Manning fan. I want nothing more for him to succeed. He will always be my quarterback. He was, I, I was six years old, probably too young to know what was going on when I watched football. When he started to be the Giants quarterback, and we're, we're going on 15, 15 years now. I mean, that's, that's incredible. It, it, it truly is incredible, and the things that he's done for this franchise. But, you know, it, this, is, this is really a business. This is really a business, and it's time to start – I thought, I thought, it's not time. I thought it was time to start planning for life after Eli. And I really don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's not a disres- That's not disrespectful to him. That's not 
pointing the finger at him and saying, you haven't been doing a good job the past few years. It's simply doing what a franchise should do. What was disrespectful is what ownership allowed to happen last year, and that was sitting him for Geno Smith. That was disrespectful. Now, obviously, ownership felt that with the base off of the general manager hire, they felt that they needed to almost make it make up for what they did, make up for their mistake. So instead of hiring a candidate now, so this is also not just draft talk. This is also general manager talk. So John Mara filtered his general manager candidate based off of what he wanted to hear. Who are you going to draft? Are you going to keep Eli around? Are you going to praise and hold up Eli? And are you going to win now? Or are you going to start building for the future? Clearly, John Mayer does not want to build for the future. He wants to try and win now. I don't blame him after the past few seasons and basically every season after 2011. But at the same time, team needs to start thinking about life after Eli. They had an opportunity. They had a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do that at the draft. They didn't do it. So before the draft, I was all over the place in the months prior to who I wanted them to take. So at first, during the season, I wanted Barkley because I knew he was going to be the top player, the one that everybody was going to want. And then once the Super Bowl came around and you saw Philly have the two strong quarterbacks, that's when I was starting to think quarterback again. I was between Darnold and Rosen, but I wasn't sure. And then the combine came around, and then I was back between Barkley and then maybe even Quentin Nelson. That might have been a good pick because our offensive line was the problem this year. But – as we got closer to the draft again, I started to go back to thinking quarterback. Once we're at two, I realized, well, we don't have this opportunity. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I was thinking Darnold should be the guy. That's the guy we should have gotten. But now that we took Saquon, I'm happy with it. I think after the draft, uh, Gettleman said that they gave Barkley a 9.0 grade, which is the highest he's given anybody since Peyton Manning. That's amazing. You If – they're going to miss on somebody. Let it be somebody who has the same grade as Peyton Manning. I'm fine with that. So that's a great point by Jimmy. And he, Jimmy also mentioned the, the Eagles and the fact that they, you know, they stacked their QBs. And this is one of the arguments. Bo, Bokra, Bokra in the, under his breath right now, right next to me, is not saying very nice things about the Eagles. We don't like the Eagles, but... You have to admire what teams like that, along with the Rams, Los Angeles Rams, the Seattle Seahawks were the first to do it. What they were able to do with quarterbacks, with young quarterbacks in their rookie contracts, they were able to, well, LA Rams, maybe not yet, but they're able to compete. And two out of the three teams I just mentioned, they were able to win Super Bowls. What happens once Russell Wilson and once guys get out of their rookie contracts? You got to pay the quarterbacks. So then what happens? The rest of the team and the rest of the roster and the talent around is sacrificed because you can't afford to pay the guys. So I said, you know, this once in a lifetime opportunity, once in a decade opportunity that the Giants have, they could have bought into that approach. The blueprint on how you win Super Bowls today is doing exactly that. You invest in the young quarterback. You build around the young quarterback because you have the money. You're not paying the quarterback top money under his rookie contract. 
you invest around him, then you go out and you perform, and you hopefully perform, and you hopefully took the right guy at quarterback. So there is a chance around that. There is a chance around that, but it's worked out so far for teams like the Seahawks. You see it right now with the Jaguars. The Jaguars really performed well last year, but Blake Bortles wasn't that good. But what they've been able to do these past few seasons is they've been able to put talent around him, and they've made him look better despite him not being a good quarterback. They've done the same thing in L.A., and they really, really put it together in Philly, and it resulted in them beating the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, unfortunately. But that's the approach. So, like I mentioned earlier, Giants were 3-13 and last season. They weren't six and ten. They weren't seven and nine. They weren't five and eleven. They were three and thirteen. So now I kind of want to transition into like the expectations for the Giants this season, and maybe that maybe that kind of talk. Because obviously I'm a I'm a, I was a fan of taking a quarterback. So obviously I was kind of a fan of starting a bit of a rebuild, or maybe not a rebuild, a reload, whatever whatever you want to call it. I really don't like the terms, but. I wanted to take the quarterback so you can say that I was on the team of rebuilding. And there's a saying from my favorite Giants podcast, NYG Daily, that they say you cannot half-ass a rebuild. And that's what I feel like the Giants are doing. They're really trying to just reload, reload, reload. And you look at what the Jets have been doing, signing guys to you know relatively big contracts, trying to reload for a season. And it just hasn't worked. And they're finally doing it the right way. They got their quarterback that they wanted. So now we're going to see what happens with the Jets and what they do. And we're going to see what happens with the Giants because they're trying their own approach. So expectations for the season. We'll pass it along to Jimmy first. Jimmy, what do you think the Giants are going to do this year with their with this approach? Dave Gettleman's approach, investing in the offensive line, investing in the defensive line, taking Saquon Barkley all that stuff, address whatever you want to address, expectations, go. All right, so this year, uh, I'm not expecting to be as bad as we were last year, but at the same time, I'm not expecting to be in the playoffs, in the hunt for the Super Bowl or anything. I think a 7-9, and 8-8, and 9-7 type season is about is about where it, we are right now. I think that Barkley is going to make a difference. Our run game is going to be highly improved. Our whole offense is going to be improved because of that. Having Beckham back for the whole year is going to be huge. I think the offensive line is still overrated right now. Nate Soldier is having him is going to be great, but I think that he's probably still not a top five even in our division right now. Offensive tackle. I mean, you look at the two two tackles from Dallas, two from Philly, and then the one from Washington. Even having just an average offensive line is going to be a huge step up from last year because that's we were just that bad. The defense, I think they're going to start off rough, but they're going to get better. I feel like last year they started the season off real well. They picked right up where they left off, but once they realized, oh, the offense isn't contributing, they kind of uh, – it was more a personality issue of the defense last year. And then guys started giving up, getting suspended – and everybody started getting hurt. So I think it'll bring them to 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. Uh, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what Dallas and Philly is going to do, if it'll get them close to the playoffs or not. Maybe for a wild card we could hope for at best. Yeah, and this is kind of crazy that I, I certainly didn't think that 
Jimmy was going to be on the boat of seven and nine, eight and eight, because that's where I am too. You know, I really, I think nine and seven, ten and six. I think, I think we certainly can do it. But of course, it all depends on health, and you know, you can't really speculate on that. And we'll talk more about the health, the health and the depth of the roster maybe a little bit later. But Boker has something to say before I get into it. So let's pass it to Boker. How often is it that a Cowboy fan and Giant fan agree on something? Well, I agree with Jimmy and I agree with Justin that right now the Giants are in the boat of around the 7 and 9, 6 and 10 and 8 and 8 range. That's where I'm going to put it at. But this year, Cowboy fans, Giant fans, Redskin fans, we have one common goal and that is to not let the Eagles repeat, win the division and get them to a Super Bowl. We have to stop that team. Somehow, someway, we have to stop that team. And I feel like we're going to do it this year. So that's our common goal. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a really tough task because like, you know, like I said, they've done and they've built their roster the right way. Carson Wentz still has a few more years left of control on his contract before he's going to be entering into free agency before they have the opportunity to extend and before he has an opportunity to get paid. So until then, it's going to be really tough to stop the Eagles because they can still build other positions, which is really scary. They can still build up other positions around the field. But in terms of the New York football giants, I don't have the stats on me right now. Very unprepared. I apologize, but who cares? It's July. Eli Manning's time that he had to throw the ball last year he was the quickest in the nfl in terms of getting the ball out of his hands after the snap of the ball i think what it had to be around two seconds i mean it was insane the fact that they had offensive linemen who were turn turnstiles or is that what you call them yeah turnstiles. yeah it's the fact that you had offensive linemen you know for the past not just last year for the past few years because the giants just refused to address the offensive line you know they they'd be turnstiles you know you know come on in scan your ticket come on in um, and the play calling, the personnel, and everything would have to be reflected off of that, that the offensive line is bad. Well, guess what? It's not bad anymore. It has the potential to be really good, but like I said, it's the health and it's the depth that really is the problem, not just with the offensive line, but in a lot of other positions as well. Nate Solder, the reason why I really like the Nate Solder uh, signing, and you can kind of call out Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg on this, is yeah, they were above average players for the Giants, but they weren't suiting up every week. Every season, they would have some sort of injury, and you would be losing them for a few weeks. I would rather have a guy who's average for 16 full games for a full season than a guy who's above average or great for 10 to 12. I really would. You know, we're playing the Dallas Cowboys Sunday night. We're playing the Eagles Sunday night. We're playing whoever, whoever. It's a big game. One of our offensive linemen's hurt. Well, you, you know, you just wait, you just throw up your hands and you say, whatever, let's game plan around that. Let's hope it doesn't come to bite us back in the butt. It usually does. Like I said, Nate Solder, not the best. Did we overpay for him? Yes. That's what free agency is. You overpay for the guys that you want. Nate Solder's going to be there, knock on wood, for 16 games. He seems like he really wants to be here. Coming from a system with and a guy like Bill Belichick, great football player, even better man. I think that signing is going to be good. Signed um, the free agent from Jacksonville. Don't have the name on the top of my head. Who cares? He was a starter in Jacksonville. He's a guard. He's a big guy. He can play some football. Again, average. Need him to play. Need him to stay on the field. Breck Jones. Apparently, he's competing for the starting job with another guy. 
John Jalapio. Okay, good. Let's in, let's let's encourage competition. I guess Brett Jones is going to be the starting center. Really good last year. Really came out of nowhere. He's a natural guard. Came out of nowhere. Did really good. Pro Football Focus. Don't really know if I like them and their stats. But anyway, they thought he was really good. He was like the best center in the NFL according to Pro Football Focus or something like that. Really good. Great center. Lock. Great right guard. Will Hernandez. He's a mean guy. He does not like other human beings. He's big. He's tough. He's hopefully going to be good. He hopefully can play 16 games. He's young. I think the upside is even better than Justin Pugh because he's bigger. Maybe not as versatile, but guess what? If we have, hopefully we won't ever need to put a guy three different positions in offensive line in the same game. That's like Justin Pugh. Oh, go play left tackle. Oh, go play right tackle. Oh, go play guard. Hopefully we won't need that. Right tackle. Who knows what's going to be happening at right tackle? Eric Flowers. Chad Wheeler, that's probably going to be vomit, but it's better. It's much better. Much, much better. This is why I kind of said that the offensive line is overrated. is because nowadays with the NFL, the right tackle is becoming just as important as the left tackle. A lot of teams are putting their best pass rusher at the right end spot because they, they know that the best pass blocker is going to be playing left tackle, so let's get them to the other side of the field. That's why a lot of teams are putting – uh, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, Von Miller, all these guys are lining up against the right tackle. And if Flowers isn't going to play well there, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So if hopefully the best thing that could happen is either Flowers or uh, Chad Wheeler will break out for us and have a good year. That will help the offensive line a lot. Now, I really do feel that Eric Flowers, I mean, I feel like a lot of people forget about this because week 17 in the last game of the year, he basically just didn't show up. And then I thought he was honestly done being with the, with the New York football giants. But before that, he wasn't having like a bad year. He was an all right. He was an all right ball player. And a lot of people were kind of giving him credit and they were, you know, really give him some attaboys. They weren't really like showcasing it. Like, Oh, Eric Flowers is having a great, you know, nobody really wanted to admit it because that's how much animosity. I feel like a lot of giants fans have towards Eric flowers, but before his whole debacle of not showing up and not wanting to play for a bad team, and you can never, you just, you, you can't do that. And I honestly thought he was done, much like Bobby Hart. They cut him literally that day or on the spot that week. They're really invested in Eric Flowers, rightfully so, because he's their first round pick. If they cut him, if they tie, I mean, this is honestly, this has to be his last chance. Like, if this, the, like, I can't honestly think of a situation where this, He's not only gotten a first, a second, a third chance, he's gotten fourth and fifth chances, and really he's walking on thinner, thinner than thinner ice with that week 17 comment that he made about like not wanting to play or whatever. So he did improve. Hopefully he keeps improving, and hopefully he keeps showing up because he even didn't show up to voluntary workouts, which I hate showing. I hate talking about who shows up to voluntary workouts, who doesn't show up, who who cares? Who cares? It just, it just, it gets clicks. It gets retweets. That's all that it does. I honestly thought they would have been done with Eric Flowers when him and Bobby Hart showed up uh, at week 17 and said that they weren't going to play the last game. As a coach, I don't, I don't think they would have uh, dealt with that too well. But how can you honestly blame them? Like, how can you, how can you blame? I mean, in, in a way, in a way, I mean, because it honestly felt like Ben McAdoo and, that entire coaching staff last year, I would say everybody besides Steve Spagnuolo, 
except Steve Spagnuolo just didn't have common sense towards the end of towards the end of his Giants tenure in terms of calling plays on defense. But it honestly felt like Ben McAdoo gave up on the team as well. Like, yeah, j- common common sense. And we're going to talk about this with the new coaching staff. Actually, let's talk about it now. We kind of addressed you know some areas. Jimmy gave you his concerns with the defense. I kind of am confident in the offensive line as long as it just stays healthy. I mean, do we? We're going to talk about Odell, but Odell's back. Odell is one of the greatest football players on this entire earth. He's the most important NFL player in the league today. You cannot deny that. His success is so important to this league. And I'm not saying he's the best player in the league, but I'm saying his success is so important to this league. Tom Brady can go out and have an average year and still be known as the greatest quarterback of all time. But Odell's success is the most top of the line target for the league. They hope he does well. I hope he does well. Of course. I'm a Giants fan. You root for who's in blue. So over these past few years, especially after Ben McAdoo took over as head coach, common sense in terms of play calling and in terms of personnel, personnel choices, that wasn't exactly a premium these past few years. Not only, I'm obviously self-induced. It definitely is self-induced because when you ignore the offensive line, that therefore is going to change the way that you call plays, and that's going to change the way of who can be on the roster. I'm a big fan of a fullback, and honestly, like, don't say, Justin, well, you're just now, now you sound old school and you're overvaluing a position that va- that virtually doesn't exist. A fullback, you can use a tight end as a fullback. It takes up a roster spot. You know, one out of the 53-man spots. But really, if you watch the Giants these past few years, I never thought that I would really care about a fullback. You know, what? Uh, the Madison Hedgecock and um, what's that? What We called him the Rhino from Pittsburgh. He was on the 2000. Henry Hynoski. I mean, I like I liked him. Whenever they would catch a ball out of the backfield and they would hop over guys or they would run some guys over, it would be fun. Great. You're a fullback. You're there. But these past few years, oh my God, the amount of third and one situations, the amount of short yardage situations on the goal line, or even just like a third down when you're driving in the middle of the field and then you can't, you literally, it's impossible for you to pick up a first down because you don't have a fullback in the backfield. Mind boggling. Mind, mind boggling where I would just, it makes you want to scream. And I said I was going to get angry. I'm already angry. We're 20 minutes into this. For 25 minutes, and I'm angry. I'm very angry already, but it's over. It's done. I think we do have a fullback on the roster right now. So new coaching staff, this is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to common sense. Steve Spagnolo, third and 14. The game is on the line. All you need to do is just stop them from scoring. They can literally kick a field goal. They can. All they have to do is don't allow a touchdown. I'm thinking of the Chargers game more specifically because it's a game that I was at. Landon Collins is coming up to the line of scrimmage, our best person in the secondary. Hey, he can blitz and he can sack a quarterback, but sure, on a third and 14, when the game is on the line, I would also rather him in pass coverage, right? Third and 14, sending safeties, sending corners on blitzes when the game is on the line and all you have to do is stop them from getting a first down or scoring a touchdown, and then he would, then they would allow it. And then you're just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm not a genius. I'm not a football genius. I play a little bit of Madden. I haven't played Madden in the past few years because I don't really like it. I don't really think Madden's that good. I go to football games. I played it. I played football for a little while. I like to study it. I read football books. I like it. I'm not a genius. I should not be a coach. I know some stuff. But 
I know enough. Hey, a safety is creeping towards the line of scrimmage. Hey, a corner is creeping towards the line of scrimmage on a third and 14. There is no reason for anybody to be doing that, especially when the game's on the line. So the, the common sense that was not present, hopefully will be present with two very smart football people in James Betcher and Pat Shermer. You know what else probably drove you crazy? How many times were we on offense, third and long, and we throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage to a running back, Shane Vereen or Dark War or somebody, you just and do, we didn't go anywhere. You just don't, I mean, what you do is that you don't give yourself a chance. Now, I get it. The offensive line isn't that good. Eli Manning needs to get the ball out in less than two seconds. I get it. But when you don't even give yourself a chance, they would never give themselves a chance to do anything. And that's what's frustrating because you just you knew what was coming. You you can call it. Call it out from the stands. Call it out from the couch. You knew what was coming. If the fan knows what's coming, what makes you think that the other team, oh, oh we, we didn't know that the Giants were going to do a draw on a third and 12. We didn't know that the Giants were going to throw a screen that, that they would just drop and never – no, oh, that never works. Giants cannot throw screens for their lives. Oh, we didn't know that um, Eli Manning checking it down to a tight end on a third and five wouldn't work. We uh, oh oh we don't know oh, we didn't know it, we just game we they they know because the fans knew and everybody knew. My grandmother knew and she doesn't even watch the games. Michael Boker, we haven't heard from you in a while. I'm angry, but. They're gone. Ben McAdoo's gone. I don't really. I don't really care. I almost just cursed. Who's the best player on the Giants? Yeah, who's the best player on the Giants? Who are you as a Cowboys fan the most afraid of? I'm scared of uh, Beckham, and I'm scared of Landon Collins. I'm, that's who I'm afraid of. I don't really see fear in anybody else. I don't see fear in your the offensive line. I don't see fear in Eli because Eli, you know, has got friggin' twinkle toes every time you like feel someone breathing down his neck. All of a sudden, he fucking just like falls. Eh. And, um, yeah, I'm not really afraid of that. I mean, the defensive tackle position with Snacks, yeah, he's a big guy. Not really afraid of him because the line can handle uh, – Dallas's great wall can handle him. Um, they got rid of Jason Pierre-Paul. I was always afraid of Jason Pierre-Paul, but then when he, you know, got like two fingers, then I, I was like, eh. Um, Olivia Vernon, he really didn't do anything last year. I'm not really afraid of him. Your linebackers, I can't even name a linebacker from the Giants. Corner, Janoris Jenkins shut down Des Bryant, but Des Bryant's no longer on the team. And the only other good player I see on the defense is Landon Collins. I mean, he's from Alabama. I'm an Alabama football fan. Odell Beckham, how are you not afraid of Odell Beckham? You know, when Brandon Carr was on him, it was a friggin' nightmare for Cowboy fans. Um... But even when Beckham is healthy and he's tearing up the field, he's running slants over the middle of the field and nobody can catch him. He's that fast. So how can you not be afraid of Beckham and Collins, in my opinion? So he brought up two of the most beloved Giants players right now, but the Giants also have a very big problem because they have to figure out how to re-sign both of these guys. Beckham entering, I feel like he's been entering the last year in his deal for three years now because we've been talking about this for three years. But it turns out he has all these fifth-year options, and this actually is the last year on his deal, I think. I don't even know. 
Like all, there's an option for next year. Uh, there's an option for next year, apparently. Who freaking cares? Can we just sign this guy, please, for the love of God? Like, like I said, he's the most important player in the league right now. And I'm, I, if you've been following me on Twitter or if you look at my Twitter history, I am very, very critical of Beckham. But now, I honestly think this, this video of him with possibly whatever kind of foreign substance and this woman in Paris, wherever he was overseas, I think this is a blessing. This is a blessing in disguise because this was the first thing that he's ever got quote-unquote caught for that's outside of a locker room or outside of whatever on-the-field antics. So you want to know what? He's got to be on his behavior, not just off the field, but on the field as well. Blessing in disguise. He's going to stay in line, and he has so far. He's shown up to everything that he has to show up for. He's shown up to things that he didn't have to show up for. I admire that. I mean, also, not only do I mean, not only um, I'm acting like, oh, he's doing it out of love for the Giants. I honestly think he's doing it because he wants to get paid and he wants to get paid from the Giants. That's the important part. Can we just sign this guy? Can we sign this guy already, Jimmy? They need to get it done this year. Uh, They can't risk waiting another year, letting him get uh, worked up with the team over something. I think he wants to be in New York. That's great for him. Uh, He's a rock star. Uh, Everybody, he invented his own hairstyle, and it's one of the most popular ones you see right now. You said we want to, you want to sign him this year. I want to sign him before the season starts. Because what if he comes out and he has a spectacular year? You know, what, what if he comes out? I mean, in, in Pat Shermer's offense, you saw what, who's that white guy? Who's that white guy? Who's that white, who's that white guy receiver in, in Minnesota? Adam Thielen. Adam, Th- who the hell is that? It's Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, who the hell is that? And then what's that? Uh, Diggs, Stefan Diggs. I mean, yeah, you know, high, high draft pick, whatever. But you can't tell me that these guys have the same talent that Evan Ingram. You can't tell me that uh, Evan Ingram and uh, freaking uh, what the uh, Kyle Rudolph and Stefan Diggs and Kyle Thielen. And I said Kyle Thielen like probably three Adam, times. Adam, Adam Thielen. Thielen, whatever. Who cares? They don't have the same talent that Ingram Shepard. Beckham, eh, even uh, Roger Lewis, eh, Roger Lewis, Barkley, Saquon freaking Barkley. You can't tell me that these guys. Who was the running The Vikings running back. They had, well, they had, um, they had, they had Cook, Dalvin he Cook, hurt. but he got hurt. You can't tell me that Davis these guys, hurt. and you can't tell Davis me that these hurt. guys don't have, th- they're so much more talented. So Beckham has the potential. My point is that Beckham has the potential to come out and have his best season ever. If he could do what he did under Ben McAdoo, who didn't know what one plus one was and he thought it was three, imagine what he can do under Shermer's system. Get this guy signed now. Get him locked up now. He does not, Beckham does not have an injury history. He had a hamstring problem his rookie year, and the Giants let him play on an injury. That he got less preseason. Freak plays. Yeah. Preseason and the one against the Chargers. So you have freak plays and you have a, an injury from his rookie year that he missed his first six games. He had a great 10 games. Freak injuries slash the Giants should have, they rushed him. They rushed to play Beckham last year and it resulted in him being out for the year. Sign him now so you don't have to regret it and pay him more. Later, because you're playing a dangerous game of roulette right now. Okay. 
So now I thought what we could do, exciting year for the Giants. Could be good. Could be okay. Don't think it's going to be bad. Don't really think it's going to be a bad year. But could be meh. Could be good. Tough division. We'll see how it plays out. So as training camp approaches, if you plan on going to training camp, I actually recommend everybody go to training camp. If you're listening to this podcast, go to training camp. Go to some preseason games. The tickets are really, really cheap. For training camp, it's free. There are no tickets. Jimmy just hit his elbow on the table. Oh, that hurt. Funny bone? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. We, we need to take a break. No, we're okay. Um, injury timeout. <laughs> injury, injury timeout. Commercial break. Um, Betting for the Giants show. <laughs> Jimmy's carrying on for the Giants show. Um, training camp is fun. It's free. You get there. You bring some sandwiches. I think you could take food inside. You could, yes, you can. You can take food. You can take drinks. They have drinks. They have food there. Don't pay for it. Bring your own drinks. Bring your own food. They have seats. They have good seats. You travel, travel with the plays and travel with wherever the practices are. Whatever, whatever, whatever. If you come with me, though, if you want to come to Giants training camp practices with me, I always know where they're going to be set up because I'm smart and I look and I see where the cameras are. They record every single one of their practices for game film or practice film, whatever. Don't reveal your secrets. Oh, oh, no, I can't reveal my secrets. Oh, well, it's already revealed. Too late. I'm not editing it out. Um, If you look and see where the cameras are posted up in the air, then that's where you go and you sit because that's where they're going to be running the majority of the practices and live scrimmages and stuff like that. Anyway, I thought we would talk about maybe some breakout candidates or players that are most vital to the success of the team. There are two different articles that I'm looking at. Um, One's on 24-7 Sports. This is the Giants page, and it's called Giants 2018 Roster, Players Most Vital to the Team Success. This is by Dan Schneider. And the other article I'm looking at is BigBlueView.com, Breakout Candidates for the Giants in 2018. And this article is by Cody – no, that's where the pictures are. Um, This article is by Jesse Bartolas. So credit to both of them. You always got to give credit. Now, let's see. Player number one. Oh, and this is the player that I am definitely, definitely, definitely most excited for for the Giants because there was one player who I loved throughout the past last few years, but he did not make it to the point where now he can actually play in the system which he was actually meant to play in. That player was Devon Kennard, but this player is Lorenzo Carter. Drafted him out of the University of Georgia. He's an outside linebacker. This guy is a freak. He's a freak, very similar to we've drafted a lot of freaks this year, like freaks of nature and athletes, freaks in the best of ways. Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez, Lorenzo Carter, three great athletes that are hopefully going to be a part of this team for a very long time. Lorenzo Carter, pass rushing numbers weren't necessarily that present, but if you look a little bit deeper, there are a lot of people that say that Lorenzo Carter was not really used that much or as much as he should have been as a pass rusher, but the freakish ability to get off the ball, the burst speed off of the ball has really impressed the Giants in mandatory minicamp and rookie camp and whatever, whatever, whatever. He's a player I'm going to be looking at during training camp. Excited to see what he can do as an outside linebacker coming off of the edge. And also, the fact that he's just not a pass rusher, he can drop back in coverage and he can be versatile in that way. I like that pick a lot too. That Georgia team this year was so talented. A lot of people saw 
uh, thought that Lorenzo Carter would be a first-round pick, and we got him in the third round, so that really worked out well for us. Um, in the past of James Betcher's defenses, he had uh, Chandler Jones in uh, Arizona, so he'll be used similar to that. And Jones actually had a big year this past year. He led the league in sacks, so there you go. If he's going to have a similar role to what Jones had, that, that could work out really well for us. Player number two. Another defensive guy. Now, very, very. This is this is going to be a hot take, but this guy is—he's both a breakout candidate for me and a, definitely a guy who's most vital to this team's success. And let's just make something clear: every starter is vital to a team's success simply because the Giants are really thin right now. They're very thin at a lot of positions, but at this spot specifically, Eli Apple, cornerback. I have his jersey. I bought it after I bought it after his rookie year. I like Eli Apple. Clearly, the guy went through something last year. Any excuse to take it out on the football field and any excuse to bring whatever problems he had into the locker room, there is no excuse. But the guy's talented. Saw that his rookie year. He's aggressive. He's handsy. I like that. I would rather have a guy who's a little bit aggressive than just leave somebody wide open and they run for, you know, 40, 50 yard touchdowns. If you get called on pass interference every once in a while, so what? Everybody gets called on that crap. The Giants have liked what they've seen out of him, out of OTA so far. And what do you expect them to say, Justin? Yeah. Oh, we don't like him. We don't really like him. But one thing that you do like to hear and one thing that he was called out on was for his attitude. The Giants don't really necessarily need to defend his attitude, but they have defended his attitude. It, there's been a noticeable change in the attitude throughout the entire facility. He has the 4440 speed. He has the long arms. He has the strength. Everything is there. He could have used the second year to expand off of his rookie year. Clearly, something went wrong, in, in what, whether it's family, personal. That's not really our business, even though the details of that were revealed. Thought that was pretty messed up. But hey, um, it was just a shit show last year. So I guess let's let's have a bit of a um, drama. What do they call those uh, daytime TV shows? Soap opera. Yeah, it was just a soap opera. So I'm excited to see Eli, Eli Apple play. I'm excited to see him during training camp because cornerback is one of those positions. Cornerback and receiver and the skill positions are one of those positions that yeah, it, it's kind of I don't really really enjoy it that much watching it because I like to see some impacts and some violent hits i was a d lineman i was an offensive lineman myself so i really watched them but cornerback and wide receiver that's one of the positions that you can have live simulation even if you're not in full pads because of the coverage and the routes and everything like that we'll see what he can do in in, in mini camp and training camp i'm excited to see him i mentioned it before i really think that personality was what hurt that defense last year i think the talent was there they they were a great group in 2016. For them to fall off how much they did, it's got to be personality. It had to have been the personality that hurt them. I think Eli Apple coming back this year and having a good season is really important to how well this team does. After Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple, there's not a whole lot of big names at cornerback right now. So they're really going to depend on him this year. All right now, two guys I want to talk about. They're kind of they're both in the offensive line. So we're gonna we're gonna bang them out at once. Will Hernandez, talked about him before. He's a big guy. He's a mean guy. He does not like other human beings. And I like that. Aggressive guy. He was viewed, according to Pro Football Focus, 
I have to really figure out whether I like pro football focus or not and their weird numbers that they come up with. But he was the 17th best player to enter into the 2018 draft. He earned the best overall grade they've ever handed to an offensive guard during the 2016 season. You know, you can look at some pro comparisons like Zach Martin, Brandon Scherf, and both guys that are in in our division right now, I think. The transition for some of these guards that have been drafted in the past has been relatively quick. Hopefully we can see that out of him too, because it would certainly be a huge plus, plus, plus if he can take over the spot, you know, the one of the guard spots that Justin Pugh led for the team for a few years now, except if he can be there for 16 games, that's huge, huge. Opening up, opening up holes in the A's and B gaps for Saquon Barkley and whoever else is going to be running the ball. That's going to be huge. For this team, we actually received a fan question, and we're going to answer this. We're going to do two and one. We're going to kill two birds with one stone. My friend James from St. Joe's, he asked a question a few weeks ago when I asked on Twitter and I asked on Instagram if any if any listeners have any questions or whatever. He asked, how are the Giants going to do? What are they going to do? How are they going to transition away from Justin Pugh? And this was the answer. They drafted Will Hernandez. They signed the guard from Jacksonville, but particularly Will Hernandez was their answer to that you know, problem of paying Justin Pugh all that money when they can sign and arguably, I mean, Justin Pugh is really, really good, really versatile. They can sign a bigger and better offensive lineman to take his place. Maybe not as versatile. Maybe can't play tackle. Maybe can't play both sides of the ball, but you know, or both sides of the line. But he's going to be a mauler, and that's what really the Giants need right now. A tough, tough guy and that's what Dave Gettleman likes he said he was going to come in and do it and he did it with this pick um I actually wanted Dallas to draft Will Hernandez I was telling Jimmy because me and Jimmy actually work together and all the time we're always talking about football during our six-hour shifts but (laughs) I told Jimmy leading up to the draft that to fix Dallas's um, guard problem without Zach Martin they had to fix Jonathan Cooper because Jonathan Cooper left I wanted Will Hernandez, because I thought that he was probably the best guard outside of Quentin Nelson to go into the draft. Uh, a lot of people were talking about Orlando Brown being up there, and I was like, nah, I like that guard, that guard Will Hernandez. So, But they didn't take Will Hernandez. The Giants got him. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really root for Will Hernandez' success because I think he's going to be a great player. That's very nice of you, Boker. Thank you. Thank you for rooting for a Giants player's success. I'm a nice guy. Boker's a very nice guy. All right. So another guy I kind of want to talk about is Chad Wheeler. Now, this will be the last line. I mean, obviously, you can point to a bunch of other positions in the offensive line. Like I said, all of these starters, it's so important for their success. It's so important for them to be successful for the team because of the fact that we're so thin at all of these positions. But... One guy I want to talk about is Chad Wheeler. We mentioned Eric Flowers and how he improved. Not a lot of people are confident in Chad Wheeler. Um, I remember watching Chad Wheeler last year at training camp and asking myself, how is this guy even allowed to wear a football helmet and football pads? Long hair, looks like a dude that should be in California surfing it up. Not big, like he's not that big. He found his way to the 53-man roster probably out of necessity rather than actual choice because the Giants were so thin and they're still a little bit thin. 
at every position, mostly the offensive line. But then he came in later last season, and he looked decent. think at one point he was actually a left tackle, yeah. which is sad. That's, that's really sad that this guy was a starting left tackle at one point last year. But he looked good. And if he can compete with Eric Flowers and do – I'm going to be – basically I'm just saying not really going to go that in depth on um, Wheeler – we probably will in a few weeks once training game gets started and I get and I get to watch him with my own eyes again. But look for him. Look out for him. He looked really bad in training camp last year. I said, why is he on the team? Why is he even in an NFL uniform? Why is he even in shorts and a helmet? But kind of went out there and performed last year towards the end of last year when he had his opportunity. Watch out for him. Okay, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes, but a few other players... I want to bring up B.J. Goodson, middle linebacker, inside linebacker, whatever they call it in a 3-4. I'll get better with 3-4. I've known a 4-3 for all my life now. Now I have to go to 3-4. Thanks a lot. But inside linebacker, B.J. Goodson, another guy and another position, very thin, have to stay healthy, and that's been B.J. Goodson's problem for his entire two-year career so far is staying on the field. But when he has been on the field, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. Yeah, I think BJ Goodson and the games he's played, it has been he's been played well. Um, I know last year he got hurt early and then had trouble staying healthy. He played good, and then now I think having Ogletree next to him, having a veteran middle linebacker, that's going to help him a lot. It's going to help him develop into becoming a starter and. I know when he got hurt, there was another linebacker that took his place who actually played not too bad. Uh, Munson, I think. There's also I, – I, I like Kelvin Shepard. Can we just make that clear? Oh, Kelvin Shepard, yeah. I, I like him. It's weird that I like him. I like Keenan Robinson too. He, he, could, he, couldn't, he couldn't stay he couldn't healthy for anything, but he, he, was, he played well. Yeah, so there, there were a few Giants linebackers over the years that played well, but they can't stay healthy. In seven games last year, B.J. Goodson had 53 tackles. On a 16-game season, he was on pace for 121 tackles. That's good. Like That's that's real, That's real. what you want out of an inside linebacker. What I do know out of a 3-4 system, because I did play in a 3-4 system for one year, but I haven't studied it extensively or even watched it extensively in the NFL, despite what I see the Giants go up against and despite – you know, you see it in Washington and Dallas has it as well. And I think Philly even, I don't know if Philly has it, but who cares? They have all those defensive linemen. Yeah, they have all the defensive linemen. 3-4 defense, unlike a 4-3 defense, where the defensive linemen make all the plays, where you want your defensive ends going out there and getting their 15, 16 sacks a year, and you're paying your DNs all this money to rush the passer. Not like that in a 3-4. Defensive linemen, they plug holes. And that's why Damon Harrison's so good because Damon Harrison, he can plug up those holes. We have these big bodies on the defensive line. We have a lot of defensive tackles slash nose tackles that can play elsewhere and they can be expendable. They can be versatile. They can plug these holes. Linebackers make the plays. That's why Ogletree is so important. That's why BJ Goodson's so important. And that's why Lorenzo Carter is going to be important and Olivier Vernon coming on, coming on the ends and rushing the passer. Those are going to be our guys. But Ogletree and Goodson plugging up the middle Defensive linemen, I'm telling you right now, defensive linemen are going to do their job. We have some pretty talented defensive linemen, and what I mean by doing their job is that they're going to plug their holes. Whoop, 
that sounded weird. They're going to plug holes on the defensive line. They're going to fill their gaps. Linebackers got to make the plays. BJ Goodson, stay healthy. You're important. So the last topic and the last two players that we're going to talk about, because I feel it, these players, these two players together, if you use them the correct way, could make the offense even more deadly, could make the offense even more versatile, common sense, mix things up. Don't just come out in a three wide receiver, one tight end, one running back package every single play like the Giants did for three years. Brett Ellison, Evan Ingram, both the package deal, both tight ends, both can do very different things and they can do them very well. Jimmy, I'm just going to hand it over to you. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. So I'm excited to see our tight ends this year. Um, before last year, blocking tight end was a huge need. Since the year we won the Super Bowl, really, uh, we haven't had anybody with, who's as good a blocker as Ellison is supposed to be. He's familiar with Pat Shermer. He played in Minnesota before he came to the Giants. So he sh should have a big role. Um, hopefully we're done with seeing the 11 personnel every every drive, every play. And then Ingram should have a big year. Nobody's really going to be paying attention to him as much as they'll be paying attention to Beckham and Barkley and Shepard. So having him as a threat, as a tight end, they call him the matchup nightmare for a reason. Hopefully they'll have a big impact on our season and help make the offense take it to the next level instead of being awful like we were last year. So I haven't watched a ton of film on Pat Shermer and I, I kind of want, I kind of, sh I should have, and I will be watching as football gets closer. I'll be watching and seeing what Pat Shermer has done. But what I do know is that he used, he was very heavy on 12 personnel. So that's two wide receivers, two tight ends, one running back. And I'll tell you what, um, that's kind of what this team should really do, right? They have two really talented wide receivers, Evan Ingram. The thing that I love about Evan Ingram is that he's not just a tight end. He's a wide receiver. And he's not just like, a, you can put him anywhere as a wide receiver. You can put him outside. You can put him in the slot. He And he's pretty good blocking too. That's the thing. Like he's not just a, oh, you see Evan Ingram on the field. Oh, the Giants are going to pass. It's an automatic pass. That's not the case. Evan Ingram can run like a deer, and he gives you effort when he blocks. Elson showed us that he can catch the ball last year. Pretty damn good. Hey, everybody else dropped the ball like mad. <laughs> Eli Manning's um, uh, completion percentage was still above 60%, even though his receivers led the NFL in dropped passes. Bizarre. Give Eli some credit. Red Ellison could show that he can catch the ball, and of course he can block. He can line up as a fullback. And he can catch the ball out of there. Play action pass. When's the last time that we saw play action passes being used effectively? I cannot wait to see that again this year. Eli Manning drops back, fakes it to Saquon Barkley, because now we're actually going to have a running game that's going to be a threat. Eli Manning rolls out, looks for Beckham down deep the field. But guess what? Beckham's not open. He's double covered. Shepard's not open. So guess what? Just check it down to Red Ellison. Come walking out of the backfield because he can also line up as a fullback. There's versatility. And if you use both of them effectively, and if you use them differently than the way that we used them in the past and the way that we used them last year, it can really be deadly. Okay. So that's going to conclude the first Giants episode 
of Bleeding Blue. So exciting. So, so exciting. Everything's new. There's a new coaching staff, new running back, new faces, similar feel. Could be good, could be bad. We shall see. Maybe I'm thinking we're going to do a Giants episode maybe every other week up until training camp, and then maybe we do an episode every week. There will be a Yankees episode this week. We're going to do it on Thursday. We'll be recapping the Philly series, the Red Sox series, and the Braves series. Big things happening for Yankees baseball. Big things happening for Giants football. Thanks for listening. If you want more, let me know. We'll start cranking out these podcast episodes. We'll start cranking out these Giants episodes. Thanks for tuning in. Let's bleed blue. (laughs) 